not dead yet. What's going on? Happy Wednesday. It is a glorious Wednesday, and welcome to Chatterbox Reds. Nick Kirby here. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for Cincinnati Reds content all season long. Thank you so much for joining us on this incredible ride of a 2023 season for our Reds. And this show presented, as always, by Betfred Sportsbook. Well, coming up on today's show, Trace Fowler and Craig Sandlin discuss Tuesday night's game on Chatterbox Reds Live on YouTube. I'll let you know where things stand in the NL wildcard race. That might be closing a little quickly. And preview Wednesday's Reds game. But first, here's what happened in the first of a quick two-game series in Cleveland against the Guardians for your Cincinnati Reds. It was Hunter Green up against Lucas Giolito. The over-under on this game, 7.5 on Betfred Sportsbook entering the night. In the bottom of the second, Hunter Green allowed a pair of singles. And then with two outs, Bo Naylor crushed a three-run home run. And the Reds were quickly in a big hole in a near-must-win game. In the top of the third, Reds started to chip away. Luke Maley hit a solo home run in his return to Cleveland. After the Guardians let him go away this past offseason, home run number six for Maley. That made it 3-1, and then TJ Frida walked. Spencer Steer tripled him home. That made it 3-2, and then Christian Encarnacion Strand continued his torrid play of late. He crushed a 405-foot home run, made it 4-3 Reds. CES now has six home runs in his last eight games. But then in the bottom of the third, Hunter Green gave up two more home runs, and just like that, it was 6-4 Guardians. Top of the fourth, though, Ellie De La Cruz came to the plate. Ellie struck out on three pitches looking in his first at-bat, but at-bat number two went a lot different. Ellie crushed a 420-foot home run, 108.3 off the bat. Number 12 on the year for Ellie and Ellie De La Cruz's first home run in over a month. That made it 6-5 Cleveland. Bottom of the fourth, Hunter Green came back out. He gave up a walk and a single, and Hunter Green's day was done. Sam Moe came in. David Bell called for an intentional walk of Jose Ramirez. That loaded the bases. Josh Naylor singled to left field. Spencer Steer made a nice play to quickly get the ball in. That did hold the Guardians to just one run. Then Sam Mole would get a pop-up and a strikeout to keep the score. 7-5 Cleveland. Big job there by Sam Mole. Really disappointing start for Hunter Green on Tuesday night. Three innings pitched, eight hits, seven earned runs, one walk, three strikeouts, three home runs allowed. Obviously, Green came in with a 1.50 ERA over his last four starts. So certainly not the start he or the Reds were looking for. But in the top of the fifth, the Reds got two runners on base for Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie singled off Guardians reliever James Karinchek to make it a 7-6 game. Ellie had some heads-up base running, taking second base on the throw that went into third base. And that would become huge because Luke Maley continued his triumphant return to Cleveland with a two-RBI single scoring Ellie De La Cruz as the go-ahead run, despite the ball that was hit from Haley going straight to uh, Gold Glover Stephen Kwan, who was able to quickly get the ball in, but Ellie De La Cruz 
one of the only players, maybe the only player in Major League Baseball that could have scored on that play. So 8-7 Reds after 5. In the top of the 6th, TJ Friedel homered for a 4th straight game. That made it 9-7 Reds. Friedel now with 18 home runs on the year. Just an incredible, incredible stretch uh, down the stretch for TJ Friedel. Then in the top of the ninth, Ellie De La Cruz broke StatCast with a two-run bomb, number 13 on the season. That made it 11-7 Reds. More on that incredible home run from Ellie in a bit. The Reds' bullpen was great for a second straight game. Sam Mole and Fernando Cruz each threw two scoreless innings. Cruz was perfect in his two innings with two strikeouts. Lucas Sims threw a perfect seventh. And then Alexis Diaz got the job done in the ninth. Reds win 11-7, win number 81 on the season, meaning the Reds will finish this season at worst at 500. The Reds have done that just six times in the last 23 seasons. So cool to see the Reds get win number 81, secure at least a 500 season in a year where some thought they might lose 100 ball games. This was also another comeback win for the Reds. Comeback win number 48, tying the Baltimore Orioles for the most in Major League Baseball. The next most is the Phillies all the way down at 43. Here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say after the game. Team didn't hit a whole lot of home runs. I imagine you didn't imagine a home run fest here tonight. Just right from the beginning of the game, seemed like a really good night to hit. Everyone was taking good swings, and you know Hunter—he's uh, been pitching great uh, tonight. You know, wasn't his best night. Didn't have really his best slider or his best fastball. So it's a team game, and you know he's picked us up a lot. Um, our offense definitely—you know—was able to to pick uh, him up early. I thought the answer back innings were really important. They were doing the same thing on their side, but. Um, we just kind of kept going, and then our bullpen stepped in and uh, started with Sam Mall, and he was he was outstanding. But uh, really, everybody that pitched was able to um, kind of stop the, the scoring, and that was clearly an important part of the game. On Sunday, we talked about the bullpen rebounding from <clears throat> some tough games in a row. Now, two games in a row. A uh, little bit more of what we've seen over the long haul of the season from those Yeah, I mean, they've been just unbelievable all year for us um you know, a lot of a lot of great play in all areas of our game but our bullpen has stepped up time and time again we've talked we talked a lot about um especially in this game just the importance of being able to to bounce back after a tough one and like you said they've done it twice now um since that rough night and you know i pretty much uh you know, from a character standpoint even the collective group really says everything you need to know about the guys down there in the bullpen. Been over a month since Elliot homered. Pretty good way to break out of that drought. Yeah, he looked really good at the plate. He's been working hard, really hard at it, and um, the defense was was good too. He just had a really good game. Um, And obviously we know that could really help our team and would be important, but even for Elliot just to um, have his work pay off for him. He always works hard, but there's been some real intentional work over the last week. Um, you know, we're deep into September, so it's nice when that can pay off. And here's some post-game comments from Reds catcher, Luke Maley. First catcher since Johnny Bench in 1978. 
Home run, three RBIs, and a stolen base. How's that sound? That's pretty cool. I didn't know that. That's awesome. Don't have much to say other than uh, I guess that's pretty good company. Any sad extra satisfaction that comes in this ballpark? I mean, you know, I've played for so many different teams. It's like every single night if I have a good game, it's probably against somebody I played for anyway. <laughs> so, no, not really. It's good good to see the guys and glad we got the win. How about doing it in a must-win game? Yeah, that, that part feels good for sure. Um, the way our offense played tonight, just uh, it felt free. It felt like we were on the attack, and I think uh, we need that right now. You know, kind of playing with nothing to lose. That's what got us here, and that's what's going to keep us moving forward. You mentioned, you know, your history. Just what's it meant to have this year at the plate and, and everything that's done for you? Yeah, it's great. I mean, I'm, defense always comes first, like I tell everybody. But um, to contribute offensively a little bit this year, it feels good. I, I mean, obviously everybody wants to contribute, but um, a couple timely hits have felt great this year. And uh, tonight was the same. What did it mean just to get that from Maul and Lucas and Cruz and, and, and Bias? Yeah, huge. They've been doing it all year. Um Obviously, we stumbled a little bit, and they were feeling pretty bad um, the last series there. So for them to bounce back, it's just, you know, I can't say enough good things or find the right words for it. It's just that they're awesome. They uh, they love to compete, and they've done a great job of, of doing that all year. What did you guys kind of see from, or what did you see from Hunter? And then when you guys were behind like that, to have to kind of you know, rally it together again, like you've done so many times this year. Yeah, I mean, Hunter was competing out there. He just he didn't quite have the same command with either one of his pitches, I would say. Um, at least from, from my angle, that's what it looked like. Um, but he was he was really, he was still making pitches. Like, he was still doing it enough to kind of get through the innings that he did. And, uh, you know, if you just kind of, if you think about it in, in that way, it, it makes, it helps us so much. Because if it's the difference of going four or whatever he went, uh, compared to going two or compared to going one and two-thirds and having to use an extra arm moving forward tomorrow, it, it makes a huge difference. So I'm sure he's not pleased with it, but it was enough tonight. What did you think of Ellie Homer? Yeah, and another uh, another thing that he can do that I cannot. <laughs> and here's what Ellie De La Cruz had to say after the game, the Reds translator, Jorge Merlis. You know, results haven't been there recently, but uh, and we're always working hard, as hard as we can to to get back to where we were. And uh, I mean, fortunately today there's a positive in that we were able to get that stuff out there. So, but that doesn't mean that we're never stop working. We're still going to work hard as best as we can. You mentioned the results haven't been there, and it's a roller coaster ride in a rookie season. How have you been able to get through that, and have you been able to lean on teammates in that regard? I mean. Uh, that's why I like this team, right? Because we're always helping each other no matter what. And we're always trying to figure out a way to, to help each other. And if I have something to tell them, I'll, I'll pick them up as well, too. So that's why I love this team. It's always that, that sense of teammate that we have in each other. Can you put into words what it's like to hit a baseball 467 feet and 119.2 miles per hour off the bat? No. no. <laughs> what can I say? I, I don't have words. Ellie De La Cruz's second home run was hit 467 feet, 119.2 miles per hour off the bat. That was the hardest hit ball in Reds franchise history in the StatCast era. StatCast era, of course, goes back to 2015. And there are only four other players to hit a home run at 119 or harder off the bat. And those players are Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron Judge, 
Ronald Acuna Jr., and Manny Machado. And of course, the home run by Ellie De La Cruz was our deep drive of the day, sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel production, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.deepsouthcommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends at DSC. Well, the Reds, they got some help on Tuesday night. The Cubs took a 6-0 lead on the Atlanta Braves, but the Braves scored seven unanswered runs, capped off with the last two coming off a dropped fly ball from Seattle Suzuki. Here was the Braves radio call of that incredible play, at least for the Reds. And a 3-2. Swung on a fly ball out towards right center field. Suzuki over to his right with room. He dropped it! He dropped the ball! Two-run score! Oh, my! He was right there, and Suzuki lost it. What a break for the Braves, and they have the lead. That went right over his glove. The kind of mistake you'd hardly ever see in a major league game. And it happens right here when the Braves needed it most. And it wasn't that Bellinger was crowding him and and caused him to look away. He just flat out fanned on it, unless he lost it in the lights. The Diamondbacks fell behind 3-0 to the White Sox, but that meant very little. They won 15-4 on Tuesday night. The other team of importance to the Reds, the Miami Marlins. Actually, game got postponed. They'll be playing a doubleheader on Wednesday. Game was postponed due to wet grounds. Apparently, the Mets did not do a great job uh, keeping the field ready for Tuesday. A little bit of controversy on that. Uh, Interesting to see how that will play out the rest of this week. So you're in a wild card standings on Wednesday morning. The Phillies, they have clinched the first wild card spot. Uh, don't even need to worry about them at this point. Diamondbacks have the second wild card spot. They have a game lead on the Cubs, who hold the third wild card spot. But the Cubs, oh boy, they got some teams right behind them. The Marlins are just a half game behind the Cubs. And the Reds now just one and a half games back of the Cubs and the third and final in a wild card spot. So the Reds, one and a half games back with four games to play for the Reds, five games for most of the other teams. Your Fangraphs updated playoff odds, Diamondbacks all the way up to 88.9%. Marlins now at 57.3%. Cubs falling all the way down to 41.7%. And the Reds up to 12.1%. All right, here is Trace Fowler and Craig Sandlin from Chatterbox Reds live on YouTube last night. And yours truly also joined them for a few minutes live outside of Progressive Field. Uh, how many wins is that, Craig? I'm just curious. Uh, I, I think that's 81. 81. 81. 81. So if they win one more, that's actually a winning season. That's something that this franchise has not done a whole lot. I don't know if you know the numbers, uh, Craig, not to make this a demoralizing show because I don't want to I don't want to do that. But uh, anytime you look into the statistics of what this franchise has done from a winning record standpoint, it is a very long stretch of baseball 
where they do not win games. Uh, so the fact that this franchise has won 81 games when they were forecasted by some people to lose 100 games, I know people are tired of hearing us saying that. That is an incredible, uh, incredible accomplishment and uh, one we shouldn't take for granted or lightly, by the way. No, and regardless of the win projection, what a fun year it's been. I mean, you've gotten to watch a lot of young guys come into their own. We'll talk about Ellie, but for all the slump talk that we had and everything else going on, kid seems to have found a little bit of a, of a groove. And, uh, yeah, it's just been fun to watch a lot of guys who you didn't expect anything from this year, let alone to be productive in the majors. You didn't even expect to see them in the majors. And, uh, and they've been productive, and they just guaranteed themselves a non-losing season. And there's a lot of work to do, but that is something that not a lot of people expected out of the Reds this year. Hunter Green, pretty disappointing. Uh, Craig, three innings pitched, eight hits, seven earned runs. Seven earned runs, one walk, three Ks. If I told you, Craig, that uh, Hunter Green was going to start this baseball game, he was going to go three innings, give up eight hits, seven earned runs, uh, we would without question have uh, called it a season. Without question. Called it a season, um, kind of. I guess as uh, as as we kind of harken back through this game, things that stick out to you um, that you feel like are relatively important, and things that uh, obviously we can discuss as the night as the night goes on. Yeah, there will be a lot that we discuss. Obviously, Ellie came up uh, terrible first at bat. You tweeted about it. I tweeted about it. I think everybody tweeted about it. Absolutely brutal. And then what happens? He just turns it around. Um, I don't know what clicked for him. I don't know if he changed his approach, what happened, but um, I mean, nobody expected after that first at bat to hear that he was going to go three for his next four with two home runs and right. four RBI. So uh, certainly take that. The other thing is it's really nice to see the bullpen back to kind of the level that we expect from them. Uh, tonight ended up six innings, only one hit. Uh, and two walks scattered throughout those six innings. So great to see that. And, of course, Alexis Diaz, which we talked about in the pre-show, uh, you know, after a couple less than ideal outings, his last two now have been much better and back on par with what you expect for Alexis Diaz. So uh, all around, with the exception of Hunter Green, uh, positives up and down the box score today. Yeah, I mean, listen, I this team this team could have uh, rolled over and died today, and they didn't. Um, and thankfully, as I said before, I want to mention something that I usually always always bring up in losses, and I'm going to bring it up in a win. I've asked and begged and pleaded Craig for this offense to come around and to help out and to be a part of of a winning of a winning formula that doesn't require the bullpen and or the starters to go out and shove. That has not been the case for a couple of games where they've stepped up. Obviously, I don't want to bring the Saturday back. I think we're all ready to move on. I certainly am ready to move on. I, I, I've kind of just pushed that out to the side and just said, you know what, it's one of 162 that we lost. Clearly, that's a little bit of that's being, that's being a little nice about it. But that was a game, Craig, where they, they gave themselves a chance to win on Saturday by scoring 12 runs. And they unfortunately didn't get it done, but that wasn't their fault. Then you jump into tonight. And uh, their offense was required to find a way to get this team across the finish line for tonight, and they and they found a way to do that. Uh, and the beautiful thing about all this is, I don't know if you've seen this coming, Craig. I don't know if I've seen it coming. I know I didn't see it coming. But 
sure enough, a guy that can just go and enjoy his day. Uh, where are you? Are you in like a portalette? Uh, you, you stuffed in the bathroom? Where they got you out there? At, uh, what is that place even called now? Is it Progressive Field, the Jacob? Uh, what do they call that place now? They call it Ellie De La Cruz's freaking castle is what they call it. <laughs> Ellie De La Cruz owns the entire city of Cleveland and their poverty franchise. Ellie's back. I can't even believe there was people who wanted to bench Ellie De La Cruz. Some of the worst takes in the history of professional sports. In 10 years, you're going to laugh at yourself for that. Let's go Reds. 81 wins. 81 wins. Yeah, Nick, I mean, you were at the game. Obviously, it didn't go well for Hunter Green. And I just we just talked about this, uh, you know, quickly. I'll let you expand upon it. Um, your overall impressions of just the way that the game went, and then what did you think was the turning point in the game that allowed this Reds team to get, uh, to get themselves believing again? Well, yeah, I mean, look, Hunter, Green's pitched, Hunter Green has pitched his tail off down the stretch. He deserved the team to pick him up, and they picked him up. Uh, I thought there was just a lot of really good at-bats in this game. Uh, there was a, The Reds left a couple runners on base. I can't remember what inning it was, but they kept they kept grinding, and that's kind of when this Reds team's been at their best. They, they grind out at-bats. They make the pitcher work. They get into teams' bullpens. They make them throw several relievers, and you do that, and you're, you're able to have some success. And uh, Ellie De La Cruz, man, what a night. What a night. We talked about it at the time, but – Ellie had a miserable series against Minnesota. Um, he had a less than ideal series against the Mets. And we talked about it. There was an off day on the 21st, and the Reds had a chance to give Ellie a day off on the 20th to kind of get him rejuvenated and refreshed. Since then, he's now got five hits in the four games since. He's scored uh, – what's my math on this? Uh, he's scored six times in that four-game stretch. Um, Ellie has a chance to really provide for this team uh, down the stretch. And he doesn't – I mean, tonight he did it with the long ball. But it's also good to see him get a, uh, a nice solid base hit in the fifth inning too. He's, he must be seeing the ball well. Yeah, he had a couple walks in a couple of the other games uh, recently, uh, kind of games where he didn't, you know, he didn't have a hit, but he, but he had some competitive at-bats. And that was a curveball he hit out, wasn't it? The, 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 the 119-mile-an-hour – moonshot that I think broke a seat or something. Nick, your overall thoughts just on what this team you feel like needs to do moving forward. If you feel like, you know, if you feel good about where they're at and then, um, you know, I'll let Craig finish up if he has any questions or kind of before we, uh, before we keep moving on. Just keep, just keep living another day. I mean, that's what we've been doing for, it feels like months at this point. And, uh, reds live to see another day. Uh, and that's cool. I mean, 81 wins. I, I, I know there's going to be some people that that uh, poo-poo on that. That's a huge deal. For this team to finish the year 500, and they're going to finish over 500. They're going to get at least one more. I think they got a couple more in them. Uh, it's a huge deal for this team. Uh, you know, I think at the end of the year, I think no matter what happens these next uh, four or five days, I think in a couple weeks people are going to go, wow, that team really finished the year 500? Uh, I think it's a huge accomplishment for this team. I think it, it, it shows a lot of the progress that was made in, in such a short amount of time. And I don't know, man, you just you, you go to a game like tonight and, and you look at the Reds lineup and you look at Noel V. Marte at third base, you look at Ellie De La Cruz at shortstop, you look at Christian Encarnacion and Strand at first base, you look at Will Benson in right field. A lot of Guardians fans around me, man, they were going, man, we got rid of the wrong Will. 
uh, they, uh, you know, looking up at his numbers. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the Guardians were a team that made the playoffs last year. And, uh, you know, the Reds are a team that's going to finish above 500. It's a, it's a huge accomplishment for this team and a huge sign of progress. And, and I think a lot of better things to come. But just keep winning, man. Keep winning. Put pressure on these teams. Put pressure on that Cubs bullpen. Make them feel it every night. Uh, that's what we want to see. And I just uh, I'm thrilled that I get to come back tomorrow and I have another meaningful baseball game. That's where I'm at, man. This has been awesome. And uh, shout out to uh, Fred. Fred in the chat. Met Fred tonight. Hell yeah. Fred uh, said hello. And then uh, there was a, a gentleman named Owen uh, that says the, him and his dad watch our show every night. Came up and said hello. Uh, met some just awesome people. I got to hang out with Michael. I uh, got to hang out with Joe tonight. Uh, just it's it's so crazy that there's people that watch our stupid, stupid show. And it's awesome, man. This has been an incredible ride. I love the Cincinnati Reds. I love the Cincinnati Reds. And I tell you who I really love, Ellie De La Cruz. I love Ellie De La Cruz. He's back. He's back. You're the man for coming on here, and and, and uh, like I said, you don't know where you found yourself. He looks like you might be in the back of a stall at uh, at Progressive Field, so they might kick you out of here. <laughs> I'm in a oh, parking lot. I'm in, in a parking lot. I'm in a parking lot. All right, fair enough. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. Let's not, I don't need any more memes out there. I don't need any more things going out there circulating. I'm well, in a parking lot. That, that's more than fair. All right, well, you, you got to find a way to win tomorrow, Nick. If you do that, boy, that's going to be fun heading into the weekend. I tell you, you know, I want that off day on Thursday. You just kind of marinate in that. Just imagine, just visualize that tonight. You know, if you win tomorrow, you find a way just to be able to marinate on a Thursday evening, just thinking about what you could possibly do against the Cardinals who, like it or not, can we do one thing, Nick? I, I, I promised myself I was going to do this. I want you to feel the same way, and we got to spread the vibes. We're not going to be scared of the Cardinals, okay? The Cardinals, yes, they used to be good. The Cardinals, yes, they used to be kind of the, the, the prototypical franchise that you'd want to be. But they're ass right now. They're trash. That team sucks. So if we're, if, uh, one thing we're not going to do is sit around here and think, all oh, the Cardinals are going to ruin our season. We're not doing that. We're, we're not going to do that. We're not going to sit around and sit here and play this whole pity party thing about what they have in St. Louis. You know what they have in St. Louis? They have an ass team. They have a team that sucks. That's what we're going to do. Thanks, Nick. Appreciate you coming on the show. All right. Love you all. Night. See you, Nick. Appreciate you. Much love. All right. That was Nick. Here's where I'm at. I don't, I genuinely, people think I'm just saying this to say it. I don't think the season's like dead. Even, I guess, I'm so naive, Craig, that even in my mind, I think there's a small chance where they could lose one more and still get in. That's what makes tomorrow to me so intriguing. Because if you could find a way to win tomorrow, then you get yourself in a position to where you can win a series and still have a chance to get in in St. Louis. And if you sweep in St. Louis, I have a strong feeling you get in. Because again, the Cubs, I just have a hard time believing they're going to take two or three from the Braves and take two or three from the Brewers. But yeah, I mean, you look at the races. The Reds currently sit with 77 losses in the in the loss column. Uh, and really, that's what you got to look at. Miami sits at 75. They were postponed tonight. Uh, they have the Mets and the Pirates left. Um, both of those teams have been feisty for the last couple of weeks. The Reds saw it, obviously, this past weekend. So there's no doubt that Miami can lose two or three more games out of those two series. Chicago is obviously at Atlanta right now, and then they're at Milwaukee after that. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how invested Milwaukee is in that series. But um, at the end of the day, they may be uh, 
motivated by playing spoiler a little bit, which is weird to say about a division winner. But then again, Arizona has to play Houston for the last three. And Houston, quite frankly, is in a dog race for the AL West with the Texas Rangers. And so they're going to be going all out for that last weekend as well. And so there's no doubt in my mind that 77 for sure puts them in the conversation if they were to win out. Uh, I still think 78 gives them a really good chance. Uh, but obviously they'll need some help. At the end of the day, I think the Reds have to ride this offensive output that they've been able to get over the last couple of days, hope that their pitching can give you a little bit uh, and keep you in ball games. But at the end of the day, when the teams that you're chasing have schedules like they have and you have to go up against St. Louis, and they announced it today, but we kind of assumed that Adam Wainwright's not going to throw again this season – so the Cardinals really have nothing left to play for. They don't even have a game where they have to like send Adam Wainwright out on a high note. Like they're done for, done for. So the Reds, yeah, like you said, certainly an opportunity to to win out here. Um, if they do happen to drop one, I think there's still a chance. But um, the optimist in me says that they're going to end up this season with 77 losses. Yeah, I, 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 I'm not opposed to that train of thought. My only thing for those that are in the chat that are saying it's over, it's over, be realistic. I mean, listen, if we were going to be realistic, then we, we would have probably gotten ourselves in a position earlier this year where we said there was no chance for this team to do really anything at all, and we would have given up a long time ago, and we certainly would have never decided to do 162 shows, uh, post-game shows, when uh, they were supposed to win 64 games. So if I wasn't going to be realistic then, why would I be realistic now? And then I would argue it's more realistic. What may I beg the question? What was more realistic? The Reds on September 26th not being mathematically eliminated from the postseason or the Reds to win their next four games? I mean, it's not even close, Craig. The the Reds to win their next four games is much, much better chance than them being alive on September 26th before the year started. So if you're going to ask me to be realistic, how about this? No, not going to be realistic. <laughs> yeah, let's. it was brought up in the chat, so shout out to, that, to you. But let's not overlook the fact that Arizona and Miami still have double headers on their slate. Miami was rained out today. They're going to have a double header tomorrow at New York. Um, also out of Miami news today, Tanner Scott, who's been their closer for the last month or so, uh, was placed on the paternity list, so they're going to be out with be out uh, out of their closer at least for the next couple of days. Um, he was three and one with eight saves over the last month, so you know you take him out of the bullpen and you don't know how that's going to affect them. I mean, there's a lot that can happen here, and it starts with the Reds winning ball games. Don't get me wrong, but there's a lot of things that can go the Reds' way over the last week of this season, and. I'm just going to throw it out there as we kind of transition to tonight's game. Ellie getting hot right now yeah, only increases the odds. I mean, if he can play like he did for that first month when he was up for the next week, imagine what he's going to carry this team to, right? We saw him carry that team for a 12-game win streak. You're telling me he can't carry us to a six-game win streak, seven-game win streak, whatever it is? I know he can. Uh, the Reds are second in the league in in uh, in terms of win streaks this year. They have five win streaks of five games or better. They talked about it on the broadcast tonight, so it's not unprecedented. They can do it. Um, I'm I'm positive about it. 
I'm optimistic about it. And I think, quite frankly, it starts with Ellie De La Cruz and what he started tonight yep. and the streak that he is going to go on over the next five games. We talked about it all the way back in that Minnesota series. Give Ellie a day off. Let him rest up. Get his mind right. And ever since then, he has come out. He's played much better baseball. His plate discipline for the last month or so has been much better than it was during his real big slump. Um, we saw it tonight. He worked multiple counts. The home run he hit was on a full count. The single was on 2-2. I mean, with the exception of the first at-bat tonight, Ellie De La Cruz looked like we want Ellie De La Cruz to look like for the next five games. I just, at this point now, I've gotten myself so far embedded into the idea that I just appreciate where this franchise is more so than what maybe will happen the next five games. And that's not a, I don't want to make it sound like I've given up on the season. I'm just appreciating what we have. I, and we got a lot of guys that I can't wait to watch next year. If that's, and again, hell, who knows what happens? Maybe they get hot and run the table at the end of this year and we find ourselves in a position where we, you know, we'll, we'll stop talking about next year. But again, you look up, you look up and down this lineup, Craig, and it's just like I can't wait to see what they ultimately become. You know, there's a, there's a lot of interest in me and intrigue in me on what what Will Benson ends up being. You know, that's a, that, and that guy's probably like third or fourth or fifth down the list of what everybody else is concerned about or who they're looking forward to seeing next year. But look, I mean, the future is bright, like you're saying. But let's not ignore what the future is doing right now for the Reds. Right. I mean, you've got Noel V. Marte now, who's got a 12-game hitting streak. He's been on base 18 straight. You've got TJ Friedel, who's had a home run in four straight games. He's got an eight, uh, seven-game hitting streak. You've got CES, who now has a home run in six of his last eight games. You've got Ellie De La Cruz, who just went three for four, uh, three for five with two home runs. I mean – the future is bright, and the future is bright now. Like, not only is are they going to be carrying this team down the road, but what they can do down this final week is impressive. I mean, and we're not even talking about guys like Spencer Steer, who had a triple tonight in a big moment. Um, Jonathan India struggled, has been struggling a little bit, but if he can get hot, obviously that's helpful. Joey Votto on base three times tonight in classic Joey Votto fashion with three walks. May have been helped on a couple of them, but that's classic Joey Votto. And if he can continue to get on base and provide a spark, that's beneficial. I mean, and we haven't even talked about Luke Maley yet, who was three for four with a home run. And he's not even like, quote unquote, the future. But I mean, if you can't get excited for this team down the stretch, you got to check your pulse. Like everybody in the chat who wants to say that the team's dead, they've been dead for a week, whatever. Get your negativity out of here, quite frankly, because I'm yeah. excited and I have positive thoughts and I think that this team can get to the playoffs. Yep. Any, any final thoughts on today's game here and then obviously for the future? Take this for what it is because it's not like Hunter Green threw much better today. But everybody wanted us to go out and get Lucas Giolito at the trade deadline. Everybody wanted us to go out and get him at the waiver deadline. Didn't happen either time. Since then, he's now two and nine on the season with the Angels and Guardians. He struggled. I'm not sure that he would have helped the team any. Sure didn't help him tonight. The other thing that's worth mentioning, uh, it was announced today that Matt McClain re-aggravated his oblique injury. Uh, he is now done for the season, unfortunately, so would have been nice to get him back, but... Um, 
not going to be the case. But no, I mean, there's a lot to talk about tonight's game. I think we've talked about most of it already. I think at the end of the day, the thing that we talked about after the game on Saturday was how is this team going to bounce back? How is this team going to come back from giving up a nine run lead? They fought back at the end of Saturday's game. They didn't give up. They didn't end up winning, but they didn't give up. Come back, pick up the dub on Sunday. Come out tonight, Cleveland gets a 3-0 lead in the second inning. Didn't give up. Came back right in the third inning, took a 4-3 lead. The Indians come back in the third. They take a 6-4 lead. What do the Reds do? Well, in the fourth inning, Ellie leads off with a home run, makes it 6-5, and they chase Lucas Giolito from the game. The Indians come out. They score again in the fourth, make it 7-5. to five. What do the Reds do? They make it 8-7. to seven. They take the lead, and they don't give it up. This team has not given up all year. They're certainly not giving up now. And seeing the fight out of this team for the last two days, really three days if you include the end of that Pittsburgh game, they're fighting. Joey said it in his postgame press conference. This team's going to fight till the bitter end, and they're showing it. They've got players that are hot at the right time, and it's about time this offense picks up the pitching staff and gives them a little bit of a reprieve. It's nice to see them score and score a lot over the last three games. Let's keep it going. I don't know. It just feels like – I know this sounds wild to to me uh, to say this now. It feels like we're in a win-win. Like It kind of feels like we're playing with house money. There for a short amount of time, uh, it felt as if, Craig, that this team was was pressing a little bit because they could see that they had a chance to, to do the, the ultimate. They had a chance to make the postseason. They were in a good spot. Now they've kind of gotten themselves into a bad spot, if you will, to where now it's like, okay, well, we're, we're probably not supposed to make it anymore, so let's just let's just oh, let's go give it hell and see what happens. And then all of a sudden you start playing a little more free. Tonight you, you find a way to break through. You score some runs. We'll see if that can, that can continue over. It might not, but it might as well. I don't know. I mean, that's why we're going to continue to watch. But as, as Nick has said, and I'll continue to say it as well, is we get to watch this team play one more night of meaningful baseball. Or whatever that's worth, that's where we're at. You continue to find a way to win, and you just keep playing another meaningful baseball game the very next day. And uh, it feels like tomorrow is another huge swing game. They win that game tomorrow. You could find yourself on Friday looking up and being one game back one game back heading into that series and you you got to like your chances when you're playing against the Cardinals. I get they're the Cardinals and everybody has this little stigma maybe about them, about who they are, blah blah blah, but they're not they're not a very good baseball team this year. You got a chance to take it to them. Maybe you go out, you sweep them and you find yourself luckily, and I'll call it luck a little bit, luckily finding your way to the postseason this year. And you know what? I'll also say and if that doesn't happen, this team's fought like hell. And uh, they've been they've been an, they've been an immense amount of fun to watch, and and uh, this community is only going to continue to grow and grow and grow and grow. And we have awesome plans heading into this next season. If it's if again if if it doesn't get to the postseason, so I'm 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 thrilled to death. I'm excited. I can't tell you how many of these guys I look forward to watching next year. You know, um, it's just kind of wild to think about because like if you're a Reds fan, I would argue you should have more excitement than maybe even kind of like somebody like a, uh, a a Brewers fan where with all due respect to the Brewers they're in a they're in a spot where this is probably it and I get they're in the postseason and all that but this is probably it 
And uh, the Reds, as goofy as this sounds, they have they have a chance to be playing in the same series as them in the postseason with two completely different outlooks on the franchise. One is on the rise up. One is certainly on the way back. Yeah, baseball, and Nick said this a thousand times, man. Baseball is such a weird sport to follow on a day-to-day basis because the highs and lows are crazy. You know, I was just thinking this the other day, uh, or like 10 minutes ago, not the other day, 10 minutes ago. If the Reds would have won Saturday and lost tonight, all would be equal. But our perception, our perception of this whole thing would be vastly different. I, I, I actually think tonight, if the Reds were, were to lose and we were to take two or three from the Pirates, somehow in our warped brain right now, the fact that the Cubs just lost, we would be telling ourselves we, we we're still in this. We got a chance. And maybe many of us are still there and we we're, 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 we feel that way. But it's just uh, it's just kind of weird. I guess it's kind of weird how your brain can kind of trick you into thinking that you know some wins mean more than others when in reality they all count the same. And the losses count the same, too. All right, Reds-Guardians Wednesday night again at 6, 10 p.m. The Reds will be going for their first Ohio Cup title since 2014. If the Reds lose, it would be a third consecutive year that the teams have ended the year tied. But, of course, since the Reds haven't actually won the series since 2014, it keeps going to the team that had tied it. So hopefully the Reds can get it done. More importantly for the NL wild card race. But the Ohio Cup would be a nice additional prize. They're going to have a tall task. Number one, this will be the final game for Terry Francona as Guardians manager at Progressive Field in Cleveland. So obviously the Guardians are going to be very motivated tomorrow night to try to win. And the Reds will also be going up against Shane Bieber. Bieber 5-6 with a 3.91 ERA this season. Bieber missed July 9th through September 21st with right elbow inflammation. He just made his first start off the IL against the Orioles on Friday. He went five innings, gave up six hits, four earned runs, one walk, and five strikeouts. Shane Bieber, not exactly the same pitcher we saw before. Still effective at times, but he's just not missing bats like he once did. This was a guy that was striking out nearly 12 batters per nine innings from 2019 through 2021, one of the best in baseball at strikeouts, but he's only striking out just 7.38 batters per nine innings in 2023. Career versus the Reds, five starts. He's 3-0 with a 3.51 ERA. Last year, went five and a third, gave up three earned runs, walked three batters actually in that start. Some notable Reds against Shane Bieber, Jake Fraley, two for five with a home run and a double. Fraley, of course, out of the Reds lineup on Tuesday night. Be interested to see if maybe he gets a start or not. Jonathan Adias, one for four with a double. Joey Votto, four for 13, two doubles and three walks. One other note on Shane Bieber, he's allowed an OPS over 1,400 when he is behind in the count this season. So the Reds, if they're able to uh, see some pitches, maybe get ahead in the count. Might be able to have a lot of success. All right, for the Reds, it'll be the lefty Andrew Abbott making start number 21 on the season. Abbott 8-5 and five with a 3.70 ERA this year. Abbott, of course, was great through his first 10 starts, but the last 10 have been a struggle. 2-3 and three with a 6.15 ERA. 
after Abbott had eight quality starts in his first 10. He only has one in his last 10. And really the issue with Abbott has been the walks. First 10 starts, he was walking below three batters per nine innings. Last 10 starts, he's almost walking five batters per nine innings. One positive, Abbott uh, back on August 16th. This was not exactly when Abbott was pitching at his best. Against the Guardians, he went five innings, only allowed two earned runs. But more importantly, he did not walk a batter in that start and struck out five. Some notable Guardians batters versus Abbott in that start. Gabriel Arias, one for two with a home run. Stephen Kwan was 0 for 3, but Miles Strahl was 2 for 2. All right, check on your NL wildcard schedule for Wednesday. Uh, first game of the day will be at 2.10. It'll be the Diamondbacks at the White Sox. This is not getaway day. They'll be playing two straight day games because of the rain out in New York that forced them to move around their schedule. So 2.10, Diamondbacks at the White Sox. It'll be Brandon Fott for the Diamondbacks. White Sox have not announced a starter as of yet. Then the Marlins will be playing a doubleheader at the New York Mets. First game will be at 4-10. Braxton Garrett will be on the mound in game one for the Fish. They have TBA listed for game two. We know that Kodai Senga and Joey Lucchese will be on the mound for the Mets in the doubleheader. We just don't know which order they'll be pitching. So the Marlins will have a very tall task on Wednesday against the Mets, and then at 7.20, it'll be the Cubs at the Braves. For the Cubs, it'll be Jamison Talion. For the Braves, it'll be Darius Vines making just his second Major League start. He is the Braves' number 10 ranked prospect. All right, well, be sure to check out Off the Bench, 10 a.m. to noon on Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Trace Fowl and the guys will surely be talking about this Reds game, football talk, all that kind of stuff. Be sure to check those guys out. And then Trace and Craig will be live on Chatterbox Reds on YouTube starting around 8.30. They go live in the ninth inning. Uh, I will be at the game once again at Progressive Field in Cleveland, hopefully bringing back another Reds win and an Ohio Cup. I'm going to also try to join the guys live from outside the stadium. Well, Thank you to everyone. Thanks to everyone who continues to leave us five-star reviews. Really appreciate everyone who's done that. If you haven't done that yet, please just take a couple seconds. Leave us a quick five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast. That really helps us out as we continue to grow this show, and we appreciate all of your support. Well, I hope that you have a fantastic Wednesday. Go White Sox. Go Mets times two. Go Braves. And as always, go Reds.